We are so glad to see you guys here for our third service here at our Battlefield campus. Good to see you guys this morning. For those of you at Buchanan, we're thankful for a chance to worship with you. And then for all of you who are watching online, we're just uh, really thankful for a chance to have this uh, privilege just to teach God's Word uh, to you. So thanks for tuning in and joining us today. You know, I think about uh, 1988, I was a freshman in college. I had two posters in my dorm room. I had Ken Griffey Jr. You may not know who he, he was. He was the greatest baseball player of our generation, I believe. That's my opinion. Number two was Bo Jackson, who I think was the greatest athlete of my generation. Now, as Nick said last week as we started this Joe Knows series, uh, Nike did this ad, ad campaign called Bo Knows. And obviously, Bo Jackson was a great a professional football player, a great professional baseball player. And so they built off of that. But we had some people last week say, I've never heard of Bo Jackson. I've never seen Bo Jackson. So... I need to help you today. You need to know who Bo Jackson was. So I still, the clip we're about to show you, I still remember 1987 where I was sitting when I, when I saw this, this play. It was a Monday night football game, and um, I still remember sitting in my den watching this game with my dad between the Oakland Raiders and the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks had this middle linebacker called, his name was Brian Bosworth, the Boz. He was a very flamboyant guy, and uh, he was going to just uh, smash Bo Jackson that night. Uh, it didn't exactly go that way, so let, let's take a look at this clip if we could. Third down and six at the nine. And Bo Jackson to the 20 and out in front, and only one man to beat, and easily can't run him down. He had the angle, but there goes Bo, and nobody catches Bo. Touchdown. <laughs> He may not stop yep. the Tacoma. <laughs> He's gone. Portland. <laughs> he just went by Spokane. And there go the Raiders in the final. <laughs> what a scene. <laughs> Come on back, guys. Oh, he was flying. Third and six. You'll see Dean Moraldi, the center, pull out of there. Steve Wright, the right tackle. But, I mean, it's over right there. Kenny easily has the angle. And it's like little kids chasing a grown man. It's the longest run in Raider history. It's like little kids chasing a grown man. That's what it looked like. And I, I still remember when, he, when he, he crossed the goal line, he just kept going. He ran into the tunnel. It seemed like forever before he came out where you're like, I don't know where he is. It's in the parking lot or something. But So Bo knew football and obviously Bo knew baseball. But in this series, we're taking a look at uh, somebody a little bit different. We're taking a look at uh, one of the most fascinating characters in the entire Bible, Really, his story is found at the, at the very close of the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. And so if you have your Bible, we'll, we'll be there uh, today. It's the story of Joseph. And so we've entitled this series, Joe Knows. Because really, when you think about the story of Joseph, so much of what we're going through in our life, Joseph went through. And he really passed with flying colors. We, we looked at last week, dysfunctional families. I mean, Joseph uh, was raised in a dysfunctional family. His father, Jacob, is, uh, shows him a, a ton of favoritism. His brothers hate him, uh, want to kill him, throw him in a pit, and ultimately sell him as a slave to some Ishmaelite traders. I mean, can we just agree that's, that's messed up, right? And so I hear so many people say, well, I, I grew up in a dysfunctional family. Well, Joseph grew up in a, in a dysfunctional family family. Today we're going to take a look at temptation because that's just sort of this ever-present adversary in our life. And we're going to see how Joseph is really a 17-year-old young man deals with uh, temptation in just a powerful, powerful way. 
But as we get started today, let's, let's kind of have a working definition. Those of you who are watching online, uh, we're glad you're here. We're going to put this up on the screen. And by the way, we're, we're trying to improve what we're doing online, so let us know how we're doing with that. I appreciate Todd Briner, who is uh, hosting our online stuff this week, and obviously did that again, uh, did that last week, so we appreciate that. So I hope there's tons of ways for you to interact uh, today uh, with us, so we appreciate that. But here's this working definition of temptation. Temptation, what is it? It's anything in my life that promises satisfaction, promises satisfaction, but it's always at the cost of obedience to God. So that's what, that's what temptation is. Anything that really promises me satisfaction, but it costs really obedience to God. And so that can be sexual temptation, which we'll see in our scripture today. That could be spending, right? Just this, this constant desire to purchase, purchase. I mean, if the Amazon truck has been at your house every day for the last three weeks, could be something going on there. It could be eating. Boy, that's mine. That's a temptation in my life is just overeating. And by the way, let, let me say this. On Thursday night, after our Thursday night service, we did something a little different. Uh, we did some interviews to go just a little bit deeper with this issue of temptation. So we, did, uh, we interviewed Cindy Landum. Cindy is uh, Pastor Bob Landum's wife. She, is, uh, she started uh, a business called The Liberated Eater. She wrote a book called The Liberated Eater, and she had some, a ton, a ton of help uh, about food and her story with the temptation as it relates to food, and it was really good. It was so good that uh, uh, Amy and I just uh, ordered the book right after that uh, online because I, I really want to read these principles. So that'll be there as soon as this service is over. Uh, we also interviewed Brad White, who did a great job talking about pornography, uh, really some sexual temptation. So that's all there on our website. You can just click on as soon as this service is over on our homepage, newvisionlife.com, and get some more resources there. But we're tempted in all these areas. Anger, even, you know, just when we're frustrated just to kind of go off and, and just right all wrongs. And so these are temptations that all of us have uh, in our life. But let's begin in Genesis chapter 39, taking a look at, at Joseph and his story. And I really believe that there's going to be some truths that we can apply to our life that are going to help us in so many ways as we wrestle with temptation in our life. And always, let me, let me say this, when we take a look at a biblical character in the Bible, like we're looking at Joseph, again, here at New Vision, here's what we're saying. We're not saying that Joseph is the hero. We're not saying go and be like Joseph. What we're really saying is take a look at what God did, what Joseph allowed God to do in his life, and, and that ought to really motivate you as it relates to what God can do in your life in a powerful, powerful way. In fact, I I remember as a kid, here was a quote that I used to always hear when I would come to, come to church. It was a quote that was used all the time. And, and really, it was a quote that was uh, first said by Dwight L. Moody. It said, the world is yet to see what God can do in one life fully surrendered to him. That used to always really fire me up when I heard that. I was like, man, that, that's like super cool. I mean, well, well, the world's yet to see. Wouldn't it be great for the world to see one person that's just fully surrendered to God in every way? That would be amazing. And it challenged me. But, but here's the thing. I think probably our best glimpse at that, uh, as far as just a human being, might be Joseph. Getting to see what God did in Joseph's, Joseph's life in just a powerful way. So, so here we go. Genesis chapter 39, starting in, in verse 1, it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So if you remember last week, or, or here is a great way. Let me, let me just share this with you. We're doing a podcast every single day. So we're going through uh, verse by verse through the latter part of the book of Genesis, and then we'll jump into to Exodus. 
But if, if, you want, if you want to really not miss a trick as it relates to the life of Joseph, I just encourage you to go to our website and uh, listen to these podcasts. We just want to transform your 15-minute drive to work just to be in God's Word. Listen to God's Word and follow Joseph's story. So last week we saw Joseph's brothers sell him as a slave to Ishmaelite traders. Potiphar, this high-ranking military official in Pharaoh's court, buys him. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. Now, Genesis chapter 39, you're going to see one phrase mentioned four times, right? So if, if, if in Scripture, if God mentions something in one chapter four times, I think we're, we're supposed to kind of give that some attention. Would you agree with me? So God is with Joseph, and we're going to see what God can do in a life that is really yielded to him. That's what Joseph was. The Lord was with Joseph uh, so that uh, everything in Potiphar's house prospered and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master when his master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord gave him success in everything he did verse 4 look at this Joseph found favor in the eyes and became his attendant you'll see this phrase a ton as you study the life of Joseph that Joseph finds favor Uh, he's going to go in prison after this event is over but he finds favor there that's just showing what God can do regardless of the circumstance that God just orchestrates events because he's sovereign so Joseph finds favor and became Potiphar's attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his whole household and he trusted everything in in his care uh, to to Joseph. Now, Potiphar's no dummy. Right, here's what's going on. And this is an amazing thing. Here's Potiphar. Here's, we we might call Potiphar a pagan. Potiphar didn't know uh, Joseph's God, but Potiphar was wise enough to see that there was something supernatural going on in Joseph's life. Potiphar was smart enough to see that, man, God has a, God has a, God has a handle on this young man. God is doing something in this guy's life, and, and he just puts everything he owns in Joseph's care. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that's super exciting. That, and when you study the life of Joseph, everybody that sees Joseph recognizes one thing. God's doing something in his life. Man, I want to be a dude like that. Do you? I want to be a guy like that. And people see, you know what? They see evidence of God all, all, all over me. Verse 5. From the time he put, meaning Potiphar put Joseph in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. That's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, God just continues to, continues to bless Joseph. He, he, he blesses Potiphar and all that Potiphar has. You know, sometimes we talk about this. We talk about how sin affects everybody around us, right? Sin just doesn't affect us, but it affects everybody around us. But we see just the opposite here. When we walk in obedience and God's blessing is on somebody, it affects everybody around. I mean, and Potiphar isn't diversified in his investments. He just said, Joseph, you got it all, man. You're in charge of all, and God it just blesses in a powerful way. Now, let's look at point number one, which is, This is going to be probably the most difficult concept for us to really grasp. And so as we think about what does Joseph know about overcoming temptation, I want to to look at point number one here. We're going to put this up on the screen for those of you watching online, but but here it is. Joseph knows this. Joseph Joseph knows that, that our lives are defined by character more than circumstance. Let me say that to you again. What did Joseph know? Joseph knew that his life was defined more by character than it was by circumstances. Now, can I ask you this question? Those of you here that are at Battlefield and those of you who are watching online or at Buchanan, you can interact. In, in the current situation, had Joseph experienced some negative circumstances? That's pretty easy. Yeah. I mean, when your brothers hate you so much, they sell you as a slave into a foreign country. Can we just all agree here? That's a bad circumstance. 
That is not a good scenario to be in. But Joseph's life wasn't characterized by the bad circumstance. His life was characterized by something else, his character, which we're going to get to. But, but let me just say this. We are never more susceptible to temptation than when we're suffering. Does that make sense to you? Like we're never more susceptible to temptation than, than when we're suffering. I mean, you know, in, in, in all of our lives, in, in, in counseling for years, and sometimes a guy makes a, a, a mistake morally, and this is, this is what he says, you know what, well, my wife just hasn't been attentive to me. She's not listening to me. She's really not there for me, so, so I, I, I did that. Or you know what, for me, I would say it's just been a stressful week. I'm just sick and tired of trying to make coronavirus decisions. Let's eat. And that goes on for about three hours of solid eating. You know, we're, we're never more susceptible to temptation than when we're suffering. And you see, you see Joseph, and he's, he's suffering. He's away from his family. He's in a foreign land. And his brothers had completely turned their, their back on him. Now, here's the thing about our life. I want you to see this. Your life and my life will be defined by, first of all, our circumstances. And if your life is defined by circumstances, then you're just a victim. That's how you live your life. You live as a victim. And there's so many people today that just live their life as victims. Your life can be really characterized by desire. Like, you know what? I have this desire to do this, and, and, and I just can't seem to control that desire, and this desire really kind of controls my life. If your life is characterized by desire, then you almost live in some ways like, a, like an animal. And then number three, your, your life can be really defined by character. That's what we see in Joseph's life. His life was defined by, by character. And so that really begs this question, what is character? Now, it says in Genesis chapter 39, four different times that God was with Joseph. So character, character is not just this sheer determination we have to live a moral life. Character is not just us giving a lot of effort to our, our, our spiritual life, our, our morality. Character, first of all, has to start with God doing a supernatural work within us and giving us a new heart which creates new desires. Do you understand that? That's, that's something only the gospel can do, and that's such a powerful thing. The, the gospel is not behave, behave, behave. The gospel is you can't behave. Trust me. Let me give you a new desire, and then I'm going to teach you to do that and grow you. And so, first of all, a person's character starts with God moving in their life in a powerful way. And, and people saw that. Like everyone who was around Joseph said, man, God has, uh, God has his hand on this young man. And so when it comes to character, a person of character has a strong commitment to the will of God and to the glory of God. Can I say that to you again? What is a person of character? They have a strong desire for the will of God and a strong desire to see God glorified in their life. You know, when it comes to character, think about this. I say this about character. You either are a character or you have character. Does that make sense? And what do I mean? You either are a character. If you live in the South, I mean, you know, we, we probably have people watching uh, from the North. But, but in the South, we say this, that dude is a character. What we mean by that is he's crazy, right? That dude's crazy. Or she, she's a character. Well, she's a mess. Well, you either are a character or you have character. You see, those, those are really the choices. And, and here's what Joseph knows. Because if you ask this question, I'm glad you did. How do I know if I have character? Right? How do I know if I have biblical character? How, how do I really know if I'm living out the will of God and living for the glory of God? How do I really know that I have character in my life? I want to have character like Joseph. How, how would I know that? Well, here's what Joseph knew. Joseph knew that the true test of character is determined by how we handle temptation. That's why this is so important. The true test of your character 
And the true test of my character is how I handle tempting situations. And we're going to see how Joseph handles a tempting situation. And you see, uh, how we handle temptation really reveals who has a handle on us. Does that make sense? You see, when we're squeezed, that really shows really what we're about, what's, what's in us. And, and character isn't revealed when we come to a worship service and we, and we worship and we raise our hand or we say amen in a sermon, which nobody's done yet, which is awkward. But anyways, I mean, that isn't the truest test of character. Character isn't revealed in worship. Character is revealed in the war, right? We're struggling with the temptation to, to sin. And so let me tell you something about temptation. God's game plan for you as it relates to temptation is not immunity. Like you're, you're, you're never, as long as we're here on planet Earth, we're never going to be free from temptation. But God's game plan is to teach you how to live in victory over temptation through dependency in Christ. And so one of the things that you have, one of the things that you have to learn is just, listen, if you play the victim card, You're never going to be able to walk in the victory that God would would have for you. I would say this about temptation. It's just a different way to look at temptation, right? I think every every temptation, if you could look at it this way, this would help you. Watch what I'm about to say. Every temptation, whether that is sexual, whether that is financial, whether that is what's going to happen in about an hour when we go to lunch, right, with food, every temptation is an invitation, not just to sin. It's an invitation to depend upon Christ and experience victory. And if you see it that way, it begins to change you right? Begins to reveal to others your character. So here's a question I want to ask you. In what area of your life? It's an important question. You know, if you're watching online, maybe there's three or four of you sitting in your house in your kitchen watching online. You can talk about this. In what area of your life are you living like a victim instead of living victoriously? I think it's a great question to ask. In what area of my life right now am I living like a victim instead of living victoriously? Because, again, I hear so many people that really have played the role of a, of a victim. You know what? Again, the husband who says, my wife isn't attentive to me, so I did that. You know what that is? That's living like a victim, right? It, it's the young person who says, you know what? My, 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 my dad really isn't there for me. My parents don't understand me. They don't listen to me. And so they don't really love me the way I think they ought to love me, which is a, another conversation, an important conversation. So I went and did that to kind of get their attention. You know what? That's, that, that's, that's sort of a victim mentality. I mean, what I want you to see in the life of Joseph, here's a dude who had bad circumstances. I mean, he had terrible circumstances, but he doesn't live like a victim. Why? Because his character, what was on the inside of him, really defined him in this situation. You see? Maybe in business. You know what? My boss, she's printing money. I mean, she's got so much money, and she's not paying me what I deserve, so so I, I, I cheat a little bit on the expense report. That's why I did that. You know what that is? That's victim mentality. You'll never live victoriously. Now, let's read on. Genesis chapter 39, verse 6. This is, uh, this is, this is when it gets real, right? So we learned a little bit about Joseph. He's in Potiphar's house, this this high-ranking military official, Potiphar sees God's hand on Joseph, just gives Joseph more and more opportunity. Hey, can I just tell you something This really important biblical principle, especially if you're a young person, I want you to hear this, especially if you're a young person, I want you to hear this, it will alter the rest of your life in amazing ways. And you see it in Joseph's life, you see it throughout scripture. But listen, if, if you will be faithful in the little things, God will give you much. Right, And that's what Joseph was. Joseph was just faithful in the little things, and God just kept giving him more. That's just a principle. If you apply it in your life, it'll just have huge, huge benefits in your life. Now, let's, let's read on. Genesis chapter 39, verse 6. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. 
Now, if you manage people, do you manage, anybody here manage some folks in your, in your professional life? If you manage people, don't you wish you had every employee was like Joseph? Don't you wish every employee was like, man, I don't even have to check in on them. They just do an amazing job. I never have to check on them. They're, they're I, don't, I don't worry about them in the least. Wouldn't that be a great thing? Now, listen. We ought to be employees like Joseph, right? We ought to be that kind of person that can be so trusted that our boss, they, they just know. They can just give us more and more opportunities and responsibility because we just take care of the details, right? And Joseph's this great example of that. Now, listen to how the end verse of uh, verse 6, ladies, you'll want to hear this. Because we've talked a lot about the inside of Joseph. Let's talk a little bit about the outside of Joseph, right? You ready? Now, Joseph was well built. That means he was cut like a knife, Right? He's got, some lady said, amen. Like, that was, yeah, that was good timing. So, yeah, amen. He was cut like a knife. He had it going on. He looked good. Right? He, he was well-built and he was handsome. So he had the body. He had the looks. I mean, he had, it, he had it all. I mean, he had it going on inside and out. And after a while, his master, that is Potiphar's wife, took notice of Joseph. She's like, hmm, who is this guy, right? And here's what she says, come to bed with me. How's that for subtlety, right? This lady is a piece of work. I'm not sure where Potiphar met her. She might have been a roller derby star. I don't know what in the world. I mean, this is, uh, this is not the kind of guy you want to bring home to mom. I mean, rough, right? This is temptation. But I want you to see that Potiphar's wife really is the face of temptation. And not, 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 just, not just sexual temptation, but just temptation that's in front of us uh, every day. Potiphar's wife for me right now is La Siesta Mexican Restaurant, which I want to head to in about 45 minutes and eat chips and salsa for about two hours, right? I'm hungry. That's, that's kind of a Potiphar's wife. It's just available. It's just right there and present. Come to bed with me. Listen to his response. Like this is a young dude. Listen to his response. This is amazing, 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 amazing. You don't have to be a 70-year-old guy or 70-year-old gal to, to have character. Listen to this young person. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. In other words, here's what Joseph said that you need to know. Joseph understood something. Joseph knows something that we don't know. Joseph knows that sin is always short-sighted. Joseph knows that sin will thrill you in the moment, but that it will cost you so much on the other side. And here's what Joseph said. Why would I give in for a momentary thrill? Would it be a momentary thrill? Sure, it would be a momentary thrill. I mean, here's a young guy who has desires. He's away from his family. He could have justified the situation. He could have played a victim. He could have said, here I am living in Egypt. I don't know anybody. The chances of me getting married are not very good. So you know what? I'm going to just, I'm going to just get mine right now. No, he, he doesn't say that. He says, why would I trade a momentary thrill for all this? God has given me all this. And I'm not going to trade that in for just this momentary thrill. This is character, right? Here's a guy who's doing the will of God for the glory of God, right? So he understands that. And then listen to the last thing he says. How then could I do such a wicked thing? I love this. He calls sin what it is. It's wickedness. How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against my God? I could talk about this for hours and some of you are like, please, Lord, no. So much of what we do as it, as it relates to temptation, we, 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 we try to scare people away from making poor decisions by talking about the negative consequences that can come. And then there's no doubt there's some truth there. 
But what is in play here for Joseph more than anything else, he isn't worried about necessarily all the negative consequences, although they were there. But what Joseph was mostly concerned about, understand this, what he was mostly concerned about is it would damage his intimacy with God. And even though we're going to talk about what it means to be forgotten by God next week, but even though Joseph is in a foreign land, in a foreigner's household, working as a, as a servant, his intimacy with God was something that was so important, so valuable. It was, it was making such a difference in his life. He didn't want to lose that. Now, here's the second point today. Watch this. This is important. What does Joseph know about temptation that we don't know? Joseph knows that obedience positions you for noble things. I want to tell you something. Those of you here that are battlefield, would you look at me? Can you look at me? Those of you watching online, listen. At Buchanan, I want you to listen. God has created you for noble things. There are noble things that God wants to do in and through your life. Joseph understood that. Joseph, now, now does he fully get all that God is going to do? No, early in his life he has this dream of where God was in many ways going to place him. But he already saw that God's hand was on him. And he rises there to the top in Potiphar's house. And he, he realized that, that God had positioned him for noble things. I believe God has a plan for you to do noble things. And you know what? Sin is so short-sighted. It can, it can really can keep you from experiencing the noble things that God has for you. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. This is an amazing passage, and it makes this point so powerful. Please listen to this. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. In a large house, we might say in a wealthy house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Let's think about this. In a, in a large house, in a wealthy house, there's dishes. There, there's the fine china, and then there's the, the, the stuff that we feed the dogs with. We, we have fine china in our house. I've never actually eaten on them. I think the only chance that I'd have to eat on them is if, if Jesus Christ himself came to our house, I think Amy would bring the fine china out for, for that. Right? That, that, that stuff, you, do, you don't touch that. You don't touch that stuff. Right? That, that's for noble things. That's the good stuff. Then we have some bowls. You know, every night we've got two old, old nasty ratty bowls. Man, I, I wouldn't touch those things. We, we, we feed our dogs out of those bowls. And this is kind of what the Apostle Paul says, hey, in a large house, in a wealthy house, there are articles, right? Gold and silver are just wood and clay. All right, listen to, what he, listen to what he goes on to say. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments used for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. So, so, so which one of those vessels do you want to be? I mean, which one do I want to be? I want to be a vessel that God uses for the noble purpose that he has for me in my life. Don't you? Man, I was hoping for a response there. I'm hoping those of you watching online respond. Don't, don't you want to live out the noble purpose that God has for your life? I think we, I, I, I think we, I think we all do. And Cindy, if you, if you watch the interview that we did uh, later on today, Cindy makes this point as it relates to eating, the temptation to overeat. She says, everyone, no matter what the struggle is, no matter what the temp temptation is, one of the things that really helps is to have a noble vision for our life. Right? And that's going to affect the decisions we make because we don't want to really miss out on this noble vision. And, and she says her noble vision is, let's put this picture up. This is, this is Cindy right now and her, uh, her granddaughter, Ezra May. She says one of the noble visions that she has for her life is to dance at Ezra May's wedding one day. She said, I want to be 85 years old and I want to dance at Ezra May's wedding. And so that affects uh, the, the way I make decisions as it relates to food. Now, I, I, don't, I don't want to dance at my uh, granddaughter's wedding for a lot of reasons. I've seen myself dance now. It's, it's, not a, 
It wouldn't add to the ceremony. I, I, I do want to, at 70, I do want to go over to her soon-to-be husband. And I just want to give him that dude look like, you know what I mean? Like, try it one time, bro. I mean, I'm at the end of my life. I'll dance. You want to dance? I'll dance. I want, I, want, I, want to, I want to be in that kind of shape when I'm, I'm, I'm 70. Do you see that? No, but here's a noble vision for my life. Noble vision for my life, this is the truth of the matter. The noble vision for my life is I'd love to be 70 years old and preaching the gospel with as much power, enthusiasm, excitement, and, and, and spirit-led activity that I've ever had in my life. I want to be there. And I don't want anything to sidetrack me for the noble vision that I believe God's called me to be because I can't think of anything more exciting than people yielding their life to Christ and having their eternity altered. Can you? That's a noble vision for my life. But I realize there are decisions that I can make today and in the future that can really cost me that noble vision. Actually, somebody on our staff found this because they're always young, hip, cool. They found this. They said there's a website that you can see what you'd look like in 20 years. So at 70, they said, Pastor Brady, here's what you would look like at 70. So we'll put this up on the screen. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. My secretary looked at that, and she, she began to laugh. She said, that's exactly how you look right now. <laughs> she said, you don't look any different now than you'll look at 70. So that hurt. I was like, that, so now I have a new noble vision. At 70, I want to look like 70, because obviously at 50, I look like 70. So at 70, I look like 90, if you do the math. So my new noble, I have a new noble, another no, no, noble vision. Here's a question. What is a noble vision you have for your life? Can I ask you that? What, what's a noble vision that you have for your life? That will affect the decisions that you make in your life in many ways on a, on a daily basis. Now let's look on reading the story of Joseph. Genesis chapter 39 verse 10. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, Potiphar's wife, that's that, that's that point about temptation. Temptation may never go away, right? I know that's not what we wanted to hear. Again, God doesn't give us immunity. He teaches us how to be victorious over it, right? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Underline that in your Bible. Even be with her. Joseph is setting up a boundary. Why? Point number three. I want to move through this rather quickly, but it is so super important. So super important. You're going to prone, be prone to say, yeah, I know this. The church doesn't know this today. Let's be honest. The church doesn't believe this. Most people in the church don't believe what I'm about to say. Let, 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 we're just going to be real about, about it, right? Because I'm tired of playing games. I'm, I'm too old. I look 70. This is why I look 70. <laughs> Joseph, what did Joseph know that we don't know? Joseph knew that God's boundaries are good. Joseph knew that anything that God set up as a boundary, anything that God called a sin, God called it as a sin, called it a sin, ordained it as sin because he wanted to protect and provide for his people. We do not believe that today. Let's just be honest. The problem is the church in the church today is, is not that we don't know what God says. I think a lot of people know what God says. I mean, certainly as it relates to our sexuality, we know what the Bible says about our sexuality. We keep ourselves pure until we're, until we're married. We just don't believe that. We don't believe that. We don't think it's good. We think God's holding something behind his back. And you just name it, it, whether it relates to immorality, whether it relates to drunkenness, unforgiveness, gluttony, idolatry, we don't believe that God's laws are good. But Joe did. Joseph believed that God's laws were to protect him and to provide for him. I love 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. Look at this verse. Great verse. In fact, this is love of God. This is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not, what's the word? Burdensome. God's commandments aren't burdensome. 
They're liberating. It's where we find freedom. You see, Joseph understood that. And so here's what, here's what, what I believe. Joseph, Joseph knew that God's boundaries were good. And so how, how, what did he do? Joseph put some boundaries in place in his life, some guidelines or guardrails or some boundaries in his life to really protect him. That's why it says in verse 10 that he never was alone with this woman, right? That's a boundary in my life. I don't, be, I don't want to be alone with someone of the, of the opposite sex. So what are the boundaries in, in your life, right? Online accountability. Do you have any accountability online? I mean, one plate boundary. I need to put that in place in my life. I need a one plate boundary. Maybe there's just staying within a budget for some financial boundaries in your life. On and on and on. Here's a question and we'll move on. What is one boundary or guardrail? Joseph had them. What is one boundary or guardrail God is calling you to place in your life? You see, it's going to be such an important principle for you to follow. Let's finish Joseph's story up. Joseph chapter 20, or Genesis chapter 39, verse 11 and 12. One day he went into the house. The music changes. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties. He's just doing what, what God called him to do, and he's doing it with excellence. And by the way, just so you know, Joseph obeys God, and, and do you know what happens after he obeys God in this incredible way? He goes to jail. He's falsely accused, spends time in jail. I'm going to mess with you just a little bit, but guess what? God's with him there. God isn't through there, right? Uh, so many folks in, in, in difficult situations, even like we're in, in, in right now, in difficult situations, I just hear, I hear people say this. This is a phrase I keep hearing, and maybe you've said it. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about somebody else. I'm just, I'm over the coronavirus. I'm done with coronavirus. And what they're... But that doesn't mean that coronavirus is over, right? Just because you're done with it doesn't mean that it's over, right? Just means you're tired of it. This is a, we're in the middle of a difficult stretch right now, right? I mean, aren't we? This is just a difficult stretch. But God does his greatest things in the most difficult stretches of our lives. Joseph finds himself in prison, and God shows up there. Now, let's finish the story. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants were there. That's curious. Nobody else is here. What's going on? Everybody called out sick the same day. She caught him by his cloak. She's behind all this. She's orchestrating all these events. She gets everybody out of the house. Surprise attack. Situation devolves. She caught him by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. This woman doesn't quit. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Boom. She's gone. What did Joseph know that we need to know? Joseph knows that winning many times means learning to run. Remember we started the sermon with the Bo Jackson clip, whether you're a sports fan or not, that's pretty cool, isn't it? And he runs, he, just, he doesn't just cross the, the goal line and turn around and stop, he just keeps going all the way through the tunnel. Maybe that'll be just an image that you can burn into your mind because listen, when it comes to, when it comes to sin, especially immorality, God isn't calling you to fight it, he's calling you to flee. You see, if you're going to have victory over temptation, it's going to take you depending on the Lord Jesus in your life for his strength, and it's going to take distance, getting as far away from it as you can. Those are real keys to overcoming temptation. Right? That's why 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 says this, flee the evil desires of youth. Do you notice in verse 8, Joseph fights it. Right? And he says some great things. Right? How could I do this? I, God has given me such a position. Everything in, in, in this house is my responsibility. How could I sin against my master? You're his wife. How could I do this wicked thing against God? He fights it. But in verse 10, when she says the same thing, come to bed with me, what does Joseph do? He flees. God is calling us to flee, not fight. Please listen. I just wonder if there's a, a, a middle school girl 
or middle school young man watching right now, I promise you this is going to happen in the next three to four years in your life. Listen, I promise. You're going to be in a situation. You're going to be at somebody's home, and, and you thought one thing was going to happen, and the situation just devolves. Listen, it, it, it spins out of control, and you're going, to be, you're going to be in a situation like Joseph. You thought, man, what is going on? The situation is going to devolve, and, and you're seeing things, and there are things that are happening that are spiraling out of control. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember Joseph and what God did in Joseph's life. You don't stay there and fight that situation. You flee that situation. You get out of there as quick as possible, and you get as much distance from that as possible. Right? You call mom and dad. You call your small group later. You call your youth pastor. You call Pastor Brady. As long as it's before 930, I'll be up. After 930, you'll need to call Nick. He's up later. You're a 45-year-old businessman or businesswoman. Chances are that something like this is going to happen. Find yourself 600 miles away from home on a business trip with coworkers and clients around a table for a meal, and it devolves. An idea is thrown out, it gets traction, and this situation spins out of control fast. You see, situations like Joseph was in, things devolve fast. And in that situation, I want you to remember the story of Joseph. Joseph didn't stay and fight it. Joseph fled. That's what a man or woman of character does. Because they believe God's boundaries are good. They know God has created them for noble things. And they know this, that temptation is a chance for their character to be revealed in powerful ways. Hey, what's God calling you to run from? What is God calling you right now to run from? It's when an image pops up on the screen, run. It's a relationship that you know is outside of God's will and it is destroying you, run. Can I ask you these questions as we close, just kind of the beginning to wrestle with these concepts we looked at in the life of Joseph. Can I ask you this question, is your life defined more by circumstances or character? Do you find yourself playing the role of the victim are living victorious. What's your noble vision for your life? You understand that sin is so short-sighted. It could be costing you way more than you ever thought. Can I ask you another question? What is a boundary that God is calling you to establish in your life? What's a God-ordained boundary that God's calling you to establish? And what's one temptation? You know God's just calling you not to fight it, but to flee, to run. Bo Jackson going through the tunnel. Joseph heading out of Potiphar's house. Here's how I want to close. In the last 30 seconds, some of you are like, 
I'm glad this is over. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't understand what you're talking about. Character, noble vision, boundaries, running from, just weird, dude, I don't, I haven't been tracking with you. I don't, I don't understand. The only thing you've said that I liked is this is almost over. I have been there. I've been there. Can I tell you something? Forget what I said about having a noble vision for your life. I want to tell you something else. God already has a noble vision for your life. You remember middle school? The most popular, attractive person of the opposite sex, somehow through your friends, they come up to you and said, hey, dude, she likes you. Like, who? And they mention her name. You're like, really? Yeah, she likes you. And you're like, whoa, that's serious. I mean, that never happened to me, but that would be pretty cool. <laughs> right? Can I tell you something? Listen. This isn't preacher speak. This is just the cold, hard facts. The creator of the universe, the one who spoke everything that exists into being with the power of his word, has a noble vision for you, and it's to be in relationship with him. Mm. That's a noble vision for your life. You said, Pastor Brady, you talked about setting up some boundaries. That was weird. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Forget that. Just forget what I said. Like, I've never heard a preacher say, forget what I said. Well, I just did. Forget that. I want to tell you something else. The first thing that needs to happen is before you set any boundaries, you need to understand that every boundary that was between you and God, he knocked them down. He destroyed them. He abolished every dividing wall that was between you and him. And here's the truth. We set those boundaries and barriers up because of our sin and disobedience. And when he stepped out of heaven, he obliterated them. He destroyed them. He destroyed every boundary to get to you. Taking all of that sin that was yours, placing it on himself, nailed to a cross to pay the penalty that was yours in full to die in your place so that you could be liberated. Every boundary that stood between you and him, he abolished it. That's good news, isn't it? That's good news. You just need to know that first. Pastor Bray, you said, what am I running from? I need to run from something. I forget that too. For a certain group of people, forget that. Because you will never run from something until first of all, you have run to something. And I need to tell you, the creator of the universe is waiting with open arms. There is a God who is passionately in love with you. His son died sacrificially in your place. And his arms, regardless of what you've done, mistakes you've done, you're like, man, this story of Joseph makes me feel so guilty because everything Joseph did right, I did wrong. And I feel so much guilt and so much shame. Listen, he abolished that. He paid for that. And his arms are open if you would trust him and run into his arms because you will never run away from anything until first and foremost you run to him and let him do what he wants to do in your life. You're watching online. You're interested in that? you interested in running to a God like that? And let me tell you what he will do. We've been talking about character. 
You will never have character apart from having him because that's what he does. He gives you a new heart, new desires, and the ability to walk in victory. That's what happens when we're born again. How could you not run into those arms? Would you bow your head with me here at Battlefield at Buchanan? Those of you that are watching online in this sacred moment, if you would say, I want this noble vision for my life, this relationship. I never realized that he went through all of that, knocked all those boundaries down, all those barriers down for me. I'm ready to run into those arms, but how would I do that? Would you just tell him this? Tell him this in your own words. Jesus, I want that noble vision for my life, which is relationship with you. Would you tell him that? Jesus, I want that noble vision for my life, which is relationship with you. Tell him this. Jesus, thank you for abolishing all the boundaries, all the barriers that stood between us. It was caused by my sin. Thank you for what you did on the cross when you obliterated those. And today, I see you like I've never seen you before. And by faith, I'm ready to run into your arms and surrender my life to yours. Here I come. I trust you.